On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla chief designer Franz von Holzhausen gives a brief update on the next-gen Roadster in a new podcast interview. Hertz is starting to receive its massive Model 3 rental fleet. Panasonic is ready to fulfill a huge order for Tesla's new 4680 battery cells and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined as always by Daisy the Boxer Puppy staring out the window. To my left, this is episode 341 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for February 13th, 2022. And speaking of Daisy, I want to just start the podcast real quick, if you'll give me a moment. On a personal note, it was one year ago this week that Daisy was hospitalized and I thought that she might possibly die or just not live that much longer. She was in a very bad place as I came to learn from the veterinary cardiologist. She had, as you may remember, a massively enlarged heart as well as lungs full of fluid. And again, I know I've, I've given you updates along the way and just I've been reflecting on this because it's one year ago this week and, and I've been looking at her and just, you know, we're, we've been out taking our walks and I just genuinely can't believe that she's got a clean bill of health right now. If you would have told me that she would have made a full recovery a year ago when all this was first starting and I was getting a full picture of exactly the problem, I don't think I would have believed you. Especially since, as I said at the last update that we got from the cardiologist in December, that you know she was never supposed to make a full recovery. Like 80% was, was going to be the ceiling on this and I'm just so grateful. Uh, so I, that's been really on my mind this week. And I just want to say, hug your loved ones, both the four-legged variety and the two-legged variety as well, because they're the most important parts of our lives, our loved ones, both you know within our family and and uh, just our friends and, and the people that we really care about. So that's uh, that's all I have to say about that. In the world of Tesla, there is plenty going on as usual. I want to start with a new podcast interview featuring Tesla chief designer Franz von Holzhausen. Now, this is notable, certainly for, I've got a little bit of a connection here, only in the sense I, I didn't do the interview. But as far as I know, this is the first interview that Franz has given since he was on this podcast back on episode 220 about... Oh, what is that? About two and maybe not quite a half years ago. I don't know. I mean, it's 121 episodes, so whatever that is. But anyway, uh, Franz went on the Spikes Car Radio podcast and talked, naturally, about a lot of Tesla stuff. He did also talk a bit about his upbringing and, and how he got into cars and, and where he grew up, uh, which, I mean, I covered a little bit of that with him, but in any case... I thought it was a really enjoyable interview with Spike's Car Radio podcast, and you should feel free to go listen to the whole thing. It is the February 9th episode, but as always, I've got a few clips for you to uh, cover off on some highlights that I wanted to discuss. First, here is Franz talking about what I thought was the biggest bit of interesting information in this interview, and that is an update on the next generation Tesla Roadster. Take a listen. 
Where are we at? What's going on? Yeah. Catch us up to date on the Roadster. <laughs> we were working on the Roadster. Um, I wish it was, you know, we were working faster, but I have to also say that in the time that we've been developing it, we've also been learning a lot. Like Plaid is a great learning platform that all those experiences will, you know, make its way back into uh, a much better Roadster than had we launched, you know, right after when we debuted it. Um, so uh, just continuous improvement on that. Um, it'll be an amazing, exciting flying machine um, <laughs> with the SpaceX package. <laughs> so yeah, stay tuned. Um, uh, but, you know, can't come fast enough for none of no products can come fast enough out of from us for the, the public. Um, but, you know, rest assured, we're working on it feverishly. But, you know, in the Roadster instance, I think, you know, defying gravity is an interesting idea. Well, that is what I was hoping for out of Elon's product roadmap update on the earnings call recently. I mean, it's admittedly, it's not a ton, which was to be expected, but hearing about this car is very reassuring for a few reasons. One, it's great to hear Franz speak so passionately about this car. He says they're working on it, quote, feverishly, which is awesome. I mean, it just, it fires me up knowing that this project isn't still collecting dust on the shelf, which it clearly was for a while. And understandably so. I'm not second guessing it. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, knocking that, but it was, this was, you know, not a thing that was in active development for a while. And now they are actively working on it. And for his part, I would guess, and it's obviously just an educated guess since I don't know Franz, but I would guess that the design team that Franz heads up is neck deep in the Roadster right now. And the reason I say that is because the Cybertruck seems to be pretty done from a design perspective. I'm not saying it's completely done. I'm sure there are little tweaks and things going on, but you know, the engineers seem to be the ones really going nuts doing some various tweaks and things and tests on the Cybertruck from what I can tell based on, you know, the spy shots that we see from the factory and the, the things that they've got going on with it. And then, you know, the Tesla semi is seemingly done. Like I, I'm again, not an insider, but I'm confidently saying that because there are a bunch of them built and about to be delivered to Pepsi. So from the design team perspective, the semi seems done. Uh, so that would seem like, well, it's time for the Roadster to get its attention from the design team. Now, on that note, I've said this before, but uh, the Roadster, I'm so confident, is absolutely getting a design update. I won't call it a complete and total redesign. Maybe it is, but I doubt it. I do expect it's still very much going to resemble the prototype that we saw unveiled in November of 2017. But that design, think about this, that design is going on five years old now. And by the time the car actually hits the market, it's going to be six plus years old, that design. Now that's an eternity in car time. In fact, it's an entire automotive generation because as you've either known or have noticed, most non-Tesla cars pretty well get totally redesigned every five to six years or so. Plus, the tech has changed. I mean, the 4680 battery cells and structural battery pack weren't even a twinkle in Tesla's eye 
back when the Roadster was originally conceived in 2017. So the form of the car uh, will no doubt dictate some design tweaks, that's meaning that structural battery pack and those 4680 cells. And if you look at the original Model S prototype, which was from 2009, and you compare that to the Model S that shipped to customers, that delivered starting in 2012, there is a significant design refresh that's obvious if you look at the prototype versus a production car. And it's the same with the Model X prototype from early 2012 compared to the final X that shipped in fall of 2015. So we have that historical precedent from Tesla. This is an even longer gap. So that's why I say I'm extremely confident in saying that this Roadster is going to look different than the 2017 prototype. And I have zero doubt from Franz and his team that the, the final version is going to look even better. I would bet that it's gonna get more aggressive. I don't know exactly what form that will take, how that will manifest itself, but that is my hunch, is that the design will get more aggressive. My not-so-secret hope that I think totally makes sense for the Roadster after all this time is this. I hope that every Tesla Roadster has the SpaceX package that adds the cold gas thrusters around the bottom of the back of the car standard. That is my hope for this car. And maybe you're laughing right now thinking, oh, you're dreaming. And maybe I am. But here's, let me explain myself. The Model S Plaid, I love daydreaming about this stuff. And this is what I do on dog walks. Like, this is, this is actually how the podcast started, by the way. I would go on dog walks. That was, of course, with Maggie at that time. And I would just be thinking about Tesla stuff. Before, and I was, because I was obsessed, as I've told you. I'm, I'm an obsessed person. And it hasn't changed. I'm still obsessed. But I would just think about all these, these things going on with Tesla. And eventually I thought, well, I should take all these thoughts and channel them into a podcast. And that's still how it works. Even as I do the podcast, I go out walk the dog, and I think about this stuff. So anyway, getting back to what I was saying, uh, as far as my the logic that I'm constructing here for a reason that the SpaceX package could end up, and I would argue should be standard on every next-gen Roadster, the Model S Plaid was not even on the docket. It was not a thought when the Roadster was originally conceived. And the Model S Plaid basically is the originally intentioned Roadster in terms of performance. Zero to 60 in 1.99 seconds, that's what the Roadster was promised as, 200 mile per hour plus top speed and a long range. So the, the Model S has, has basically achieved what the original prototype Roadster was meant to. So the way for the new Roadster to really leapfrog the Plaid S and by extension, everything else in the world, which remember, is the entire point of this car. It is meant to embarrass gasoline cars. It's meant to set all the performance records. Go back and watch the Roadster unveiling at the bottom of tesla.com slash Roadster if you don't believe me or you need a refresher. And the, uh, the way to leapfrog the Plaid S is to add a fundamental difference maker 
as a standard piece of equipment on every next-gen Tesla Roadster. And those SpaceX cold gas thrusters that basically allow this car to cheat physics in ways that we are not quite clear on yet, well, that's the obvious way to separate it from the Plaid and from any other supercar on the planet, gasoline or otherwise. I mean, sure, doing doing that uh, would eliminate the plus two, you know, half of a back seat in the Roadster, but my argument there would be this. No one that is getting this car wants the back seat. Nobody's going to look at the new Roadster as a two-seater, as I propose here with the SpaceX package standard, and go, oh, it doesn't have four seats? Forget it. I don't want it. I'm not buying it. There is a car for people that want that caliber of performance and, and seating for four or more, and it's the Plaid Model S. Uh, uh, so I say Tesla should get rid of the small plus two backseat that by Elon's own words at the Roadster unveiling won't even fit adults back there. So it's, it's just not serving a purpose other than being able to say on paper, well, our supercar seats four people. No, forget that. Make the SpaceX package standard on every Roadster. Make it the thing that anyone, be they a Tesla fan or not, thinks about whenever they hear that car's name. When you hear a Tesla Roadster, oh, the one with the rockets? Yes, that one. So, uh, and you can only do that, by the way, if every single one of them has it. Plus, as I've speculated back recently, just what, a month or so ago, when Tesla removed the Roadster prices from the website, it is highly likely that the price of the Roadster is going to go up by quite a bit by the time it actually comes out anyway due to, you know, time, inflation, components, costs, all that stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So that, the fact that they're raising the price, that gives Tesla plenty of cover to make this change. Say so that, you know, they, they took deposits on a $200,000 car, but it's going to be more than that. Put the rocket thrusters on every car. I hope they will. Let's do this. Now, second, the second thing I want to say, getting back to Franz's comments here, I welcome you back from the, the tangent that I just went on about the Roadster, but it seems obvious that from what Franz said, you know, of course it's going to be a better car coming out in, hopefully, fingers crossed, 2023 than it would have if it had come out in 2020. But hearing him talk about learning a lot from the Plaid S, that makes me feel good too. That fires me up because that means the Roadster is just gonna be even more insane somehow than the Plaid S is. And again, if you've had the the pleasure of experiencing the acceleration in the Plaid Model S, it's, it's difficult to imagine more, but the Roadster's gonna do it and... uh I mean, one way to do it is the SpaceX package where it'll do 0 to 60 in 1.1 seconds, which is almost like just ridiculous. I mean, it's it's past plaid in, in the Spaceballs, uh, you know, usage of terminology that Tesla's been <laughs> been doing for many years now. There's there's they're inventing a new category at that point. And I say bring it on. But uh one more thing, by the way, on the SpaceX package, and I promise I'll stop. 
But note, and I am tying it back to Franz's comments on the podcast. Note Franz's last comment there. He called it an amazing, exciting flying machine, which Elon has also described. He's talked about hovering and flying. So flying rockets, let's go with this car. I cannot wait. I'm so, so excited to see this car. I totally get why it's been at the bottom of Tesla's priority list, but the fact that Franz and the design team are on it now just fires me up. And when the time finally arrives to see this car, the final form of it and see it get delivered, it is just going to be so much fun to cover this car. It's a supercar. It's going to be exciting. Uh, the next clip I wanted to play you from the, it's about an hour long interview, by the way, maybe a little less, but Franz was asked about the Cybertruck and the uh, infamous onstage moment where, of course, the Tesla armor glass windows broke twice. Uh, I do have to say, I, I, I try to keep my, I make a point to keep this podcast PG rated. There is a, there is a very small profanity warning in this clip. So if you've got people in the car that you don't want to hear that or yourself don't want to hear that, you could skip ahead maybe 30 seconds or so. But here's Franz talking about that uh, infamous steel ball up against the Cybertruck window moment. So that wasn't supposed to happen, right? It was not. It was not supposed to happen, nor should anyone expect to be throwing. But honestly, you know, like at the moment, what are you thinking in that moment? What are you thinking? Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Because the funny, I mean, the the odd part is that we practiced that behind right before we kind of rolled the truck onto stage. Yeah, I sat back there and threw these things oh, at boy. the window and it was fine. And what bounced can, back. And what can go wrong yeah, will yeah, go exactly. wrong. And we had, done, and it was not, it was a very rehearsed kind of situation. We had made sure, like, I, I can't tell you how many steel balls I threw <laughs> at windows. And every, almost every time, we never had an issue. And of course, the, the one time, right? Do you think you weakened it in your rehearsal? I don't know. Is There's a lot possible? of conspiracy theories. <laughs> there are. Possibly, yeah. I don't know. Isn't there just a pressure point on all glass that if you hit it perfectly? <laughs> so wait, in the I, moment, yeah. you do, I can. And, then, you, and so then I was like, <laughs> let's do it again. <laughs> and then you, you do it a second time. Because that was the rehearsed thing. If, right. Like, if for whatever kind of, we, we just said backstage right before that, if something goes wrong, do it again. Because guaranteed, the back glass will not break. <laughs> so you're oh there. God, great. So let's prove that. It Is won't Elon break. just looking at you going? Yeah, he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but then I think, you know, he caught it quickly yeah. and rolled yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you know, just don't. And then, you know, the funny part is afterwards when you're mingling with the crowd and people in the audience, they're like, oh, that was, I mean, it's amazing. The ball didn't go through the glass. Like, how that that glass is so strong like if you threw a brick through a normal window it would have killed me right and so people thought like oh that's kind of what was supposed to happen and it's you know the glass is safer than any other automotive glass and i'm not going to get killed with a brick i'll tell you it was surreal to be there when that happened the crowd as i remember was just kind of stunned like people were looking around like what especially when it happened a second time. And if you remember, by the way, 
it was all over the internet the next day and that night for that matter, right after it happened. Uh, it, in fact, it arguably gave Tesla even more publicity than they would have already had after unveiling a very strange looking stainless steel truck. But it has been awesome, I have to say, to see Tesla completely embrace and own that moment with the broken Cybertruck window t-shirts in the online shop, the broken Cybertruck window stickers that you can put on the toy Cybertrucks, stuff like that. Uh, all right, here's, I've got one more clip I want to play for you. Again, I don't want to give away uh, the whole thing. Go, I would like you to go listen to the podcast. Again, Spike's Car Radio podcast. But here's one more clip where Franz discusses the most memorable moment in Tesla history for him. I thought this was really interesting. It was the day of the Model 3 event that we were hosting in the studio. We had transformed our design studio into kind of a, a, a showcase, a dis, you know, the, the display and the event space. And, you know, we were rushing to get everything done. The cars were still, you know, drying in the paint booth and like <laughs> assembling parts, you know, at the 11th hour. I mean, that's pretty typical. We're, yeah, yeah. We're, we're you know, no, we run exciting. lean and mean. Yeah. And, you know, it is exciting. And at the same time, we're starting to see like around noon, there's a lineup of people in front of the Tesla yeah. stores waiting to put in their orders. And I think, you know, it was crazy. We didn't expect it. So nobody had seen the car. A few like tweets of information about mm -hmm. what it was going to be. But the assumption, I think the assumption that it was going to be um, a lower cost, you know, more affordable, easier, more easily tangible version of a successful car in Model S was what people are really attracted to. And they couldn't wait to get their hands on it. So I think when we saw these lines that only really ever happened for like an Apple iPhone or something. Yeah, right. right. Like, exactly. Never, ever for a car. Right. And <laughs> I think the night of the event, when we were, you know, you know, showcasing it to the world, we had 130,000 orders. Right. Like sight unseen. And I right. think at that moment, we we're like, we maybe were onto something. <laughs> and at least that's what I felt in my mind. Yeah. Well, I remember that day very, very well. That was a big day for me too. I had been planning on buying Tesla's next car, the affordable one, the third car in Elon's original Secret Master Plan blog that he published in 2006. And I was like, at that point, about eight months or so into doing this podcast, I happened to, I did check episode 35. If you want to go back and listen to it, just to kind of, I, I thought, um, you know, I'm not saying it was like, an amazing episode, I'm sure, if you listen to me back then, and I mean, I hope I'm better now at this than I was 300 episodes ago, but uh, I do think that that episode is kind of a neat little time capsule about what that moment was like for me and, and probably for a lot of you as well, because that was the car that, that really brought Tesla to the masses in a lot, not, you know, not... We're still waiting on the $25,000 car to, to make, you know, make that push even further. But anyway, uh, enough of a shameless plug. But I, I am proud of how that episode turned out because I had camped out overnight to be near the front of the line for my reservation. And I had interviewed my fellow line goers. And then I flew down to L.A. to be at the unveiling that I was lucky enough to get an invitation to. And I interviewed people there. And I have audio from my test ride of being in the Model 3 for the first time and 
all that stuff. It was just, it was a heck of a 24 hours and it's kind of all captured on episode 35, but that was a, that's a good, that's a good moment, Franz. You picked a good moment because that's, that's probably my answer for it as well. Again, Spike's Car Radio podcast if you want to hear the rest of that interview. Next up this week, Hertz is starting to receive its Model 3 rental fleet. I want to say thank you to Ride the Lightning listener and Patreon backer T. Kirk Lowry for sending me this email that he got from Hertz, which reads, Lower emissions, not standards. Reinvest your energy and reclaim your moments in the Tesla Model 3, now available in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and Orlando. Experience a greener way to travel in this future-focused zero-emissions sedan. Let's go. And that is the end of your marketing email. (laughs) But, you know, Hertz, the, the reason that I'm reading a marketing email to you is because Hertz must have a decent inventory in those markets. And that is, you know, that's that's what, one, two, three, that's seven pretty big markets. If they're sending out marketing emails to advertise that very fact. So, I mean, if they only had a few, they probably wouldn't bother with the marketing because it would only lure people to the Hertz website to book who'd end up disappointed when a Model 3 isn't available. I mean, we know that they're not going to get all of their cars right away, but quarter by quarter, they're going to get more and more of them. In fact, I wonder if Tesla is building entire batches of cars for Hertz each quarter, since we know that they're all identically configured white base Model 3s. I mean, it would probably make sense for them to do exactly that. And then once they're built, they obviously need to be distributed to various Hertz locations across the country. So if you are heading to any of those cities in the coming weeks or months, and you need a rental car while you're there, hey, you might want to check with Hertz and you might be able to get your hands on a Model 3 while you are traveling. Next this week, new reports indicate that Panasonic has received a sizable order for the new 4680 battery cells from Tesla. The uh, Japanese battery maker will prioritize Tesla in the manufacturing efforts, said CFO Hirokazu Umeda, according to Bloomberg, which is who this report comes from, quote, Tesla has put in an extremely strong request for the 4680, so when we are actually able to deliver the 4680, we plan to put top priority on Tesla. We'll first prioritize supplying Tesla once the verifications are complete. Well, this will obviously come as no surprise, and that's because Tesla and Panasonic have enjoyed at this point, a very long and very fruitful relationship for both parties. I mean, remember, Panasonic is Tesla's partner at Gigafactory Nevada. There, you know, that is not a Tesla facility. That is a Tesla Panasonic facility. There are Tesla employees that work there, and there are Panasonic employees that work there. You know, you could really make an argument, in fact, that for as vertically integrated as Tesla is and how well that vertical integration has served them, up to, by the way, and including the chip shortage that they're still navigating through right now, you could make the argument that Panasonic might be the third-party MVP of the entire Tesla story. 
the entire improbable Tesla story from the company's founding in 2003 to the release of the original Tesla Roadster in 2008 to the release of the Model S in 2012 and to the release of the Model 3 in 2017. I mean, you could make a strong case for Panasonic being vital. I mean, they absolutely are vital. Uh, now, Lotus Lotus deserves mention here too for partnering with Tesla to build the original Roadsters that got the company going, but Tesla has just been a vital established partner, or excuse me, Panasonic has been such a vital and an established partner for a Silicon Valley startup. Remember, that's what Tesla was, a Silicon Valley startup with, uh, as, as was covered in the Franz interview, a clip I didn't play you, Franz said he was, that when he joined, there were only a couple hundred, a couple hundred employees at Tesla. And Panasonic's been a partner the whole way as Tesla has gone on such an improbable, incredible ride. And, and honestly, I'm very glad to see Tesla and Panasonic continue to thrive together. It's great to see it. And of course, Tesla still needs Panasonic. Let, let there be no mistake as well. Even with Tesla's own in-house Cato Road battery facility, to say nothing of the ones that they're building at the new gigafactories in Texas and Berlin, by the way, and probably, you know, certainly other third-party battery suppliers too, Tesla needs all of it to make a whole lot of 4680 cells in order for, t for Tesla to fulfill its very, very large goals. I mean, remember, go back to battery day. The biggest of the big goals that was laid out at battery day about, you know, a little less than a year and a half ago now is to be building 20 million cars per year by the end of this decade. And as I've said many times, you know, even if in fairly typical Tesla fashion, Tesla takes a lot longer to get to that goal, that 20 million car per year goal than what they initially laid out. I have every confidence that they will get there. They will get there. Let's say even if they quote unquote only with the thick air quotes here, even if Tesla only makes it to 10 million cars per year by the end of the decade, half the goal, that will still be 10 times the number of cars that they made last year, 2021. Think about that for just a moment. That is a lot of cars, 10 million. Again, forget about the 20, even 10. 10 million would be a lot of cars and thus a whole heck of a lot of battery cells as well. So Panasonic will continue to be a vital partner for Tesla. Next this week, United States President Joe Biden has acknowledged Tesla's pole position standing in the American EV manufacturing race and not just that, he's acknowledged them at all for the very first time. Take a listen to this clip from a President Biden speech recently this past week. Since 2021, companies have announced investments totaling more than $200 billion in domestic manufacturing here in America. From iconic companies like GM and Ford building out a new electric vehicle production to Tesla, our nation's largest electric vehicle manufacturer, to innovative younger companies like Rivian, building electric trucks, or Proterra, building electric buses, which I saw at a virtual tour last year when I met with the CEO, one virtually, and they, they really impressed me. 
These companies joining Intel, bringing microchip manufacturing back to America after decades of decay. From Texas Instruments to Samsung in Texas to TSMC in Arizona. If you're wondering why the heck I just played you that otherwise benign, innocuous clip, it's because there is a backstory here that I hinted at in the setup for this clip. And that is, for whatever reason, likely political, which I'm not interested in getting into on this podcast, uh, though in the end it doesn't really matter why, but the Biden administration, and, and Biden specifically, had not even spoken the name Tesla, despite the administration talking a lot about trying to make America the leader in EV manufacturing. There's been a lot of time spent by Biden talking up Ford, and in particular, GM. And it hasn't just been talk, by the way. He has had, as you may have read, EV summits where Tesla wasn't invited. So the whole thing just was pretty weird. And honestly, in my opinion, both Elon and the Biden administration kind of turned a molehill into a mountain on this whole thing, if you ask me. Though it never really needed to be a thing at all if the administration had just put a little well-deserved respect on Tesla's name with regard to one of the administration's big goals, which of course is to make a lot of EVs, which aligns with Tesla's big goal of getting more EVs on the road. In fact, uh, there must have been a meeting at, at the White House that said, all right, let's stop ignoring Tesla because a few days later, here's one more clip, also again from this past week, shortly after Biden's presentation there, of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg doing an interview on CNBC in which he has also asked about and mentions Tesla. You know, we just played that clip from President Biden actually giving a, a shout out to, to Tesla, but that has been something that's been missing for quite a while. Um, Tesla hasn't been invited to these White House meetings, and Elon Musk isn't really somebody who's been heralded. And the reporting has said that, you know, this is happening because the administration doesn't like Tesla because they're seen as anti-union. Made in America, does that mean uh, union only? Or made in America, is it good as long as it's providing good jobs for people here in this country? Look, as you know, the president strongly believes in every worker having the free choice to join a union. We believe in good paying jobs and, and we believe that unions built the middle class. Uh, we also admire the range of American companies that have innovated, uh, including Tesla, which did so much to make uh, EVs possible in, in America. Now it's, it's mainstream. Well, hopefully now all of this silliness can be put to rest and everybody can move forward with a mutual respect Everybody wants more EVs. Let's do it. Let's see it. Uh, next up this week, Tesla, in fact, the final story I have for you this week, Tesla reportedly pulled one of two electronic control units present in the steering racks of the Shanghai-built Model 3s and Model Ys to co help combat the global chip shortage, according to a new report. The chip pulled from these cars was not a safety issue and was non-critical to the overall operation of the vehicle. This report comes via Tesla Roddy, who writes, a new report from CNBC states that Tesla also cut one of the two electronic control units that are installed in China-built threes and whys. The absence of the part was not disclosed by Tesla, according to the report. Tesla employees said in internal memos that the steering rack control unit would only be necessary for level three autonomous cars. 
Tesla vehicles still operate in level two, according to SAE standards, and the lack of a second chip was not a safety issue. The report states that the removed control unit was deemed as a secondary system and was mainly used for a backup in case of issues with the primary chip. Tesla removed the chip because engineers deemed it redundant, according to the report. The lack of the chip will also save Tesla money in the short term. Richard Wallace, an advisor for HWA Analytics, said, quote, If something like a chip or an ECU is not providing additional functionality, if it is truly redundant, you may be able to turn it off or leave it out. With chips and software, there is a little bit of wiggle room. I can reassign stuff here and there, end quote. And this seems to just be Tesla being Tesla. We've seen this a hundred times before. One of their great strengths is that, particularly in comparison to the legacy automakers, that Tesla is able to make really fast adjustments while sprinting through production at full speed. I mean, the old quote back in the Model S days was something like, and I, I admittedly am paraphrasing here based on memory, is that the Model S wouldn't be the same car for more than two weeks. That under the hood, various little things would change, parts would change, they would improve, what have you. And that's probably still true and probably true of the three and the Y in addition to the S and the X as well. I mean, I wonder what the process is like for something like that. And just in general, as Tesla is continually refreshing and, and optimizing the cars. I mean, do individual engineers feel empowered to raise these things to managers who then maybe go a bit further up the chain to get approval to make the change? Or is there more of a 10,000 foot high view happening at all times from either a managerial team on a given car project who's constantly reevaluating each and every component in the car? Maybe it's both, maybe it's something else. I'm not sure, but regardless, Tesla's agility We've seen it. It has always been a big asset for them, but boy, oh boy, it's not just a, always been an asset. It's really turned into a big competitive advantage for them over the past couple of years. Although I do wonder why this change is only in China. Maybe there's like a government regulation here in the United States that requires cars to have the backup control unit. I'm not sure, but in any case... Interesting story as Tesla continues to try to defeat the chip shortage at, by any and every means they possibly can. That's everything I've got for you in a busy week of Tesla news, but stick with me. I've got some of your excellent Ride the Lightning hotline phone calls coming up right after this. You know what time it is. It's Ride the Lightning Hotline time, your chance to call in and be a part of the podcast. I welcome and invite you to do so. You can call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software. Please try to keep your question to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number that you can call anytime, day or night, and that number is 
1-888-989-8752. Again, that's one 989 tsla And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up this week is Mike from Grand Rapids. Hi, Ryan. This is Mike from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I had a thought about the Cybertruck. Now, Tesla has over a million reservations, and last year Ford sold just over 700,000 F-150s, and they've been the top seller forever. Now, what if somehow Tesla was able to produce all million Cybertrucks in one year, and there was a 75% uptake on the reservations, so that means they could potentially sell 750,000 Cybertrucks in one year, if they could produce them fast enough. They don't have to paint them, and they just fold them together like origami. You know, part of me wonders if the delay in the production isn't just uh, feature creep. Part of it, perhaps, is them organizing things in such a way so that they can produce 750,000 Cybertrucks in one year and knock Ford off the top spot. It would really shake the world if they did that. And I know that Elon is subtle enough to pull something like that. So anyways, hope you're doing well. Thanks for your podcast. Take care. Bye. Hey, Mike, thank you for your call. While I would never put something like that past Elon, he has said on multiple occasions back at Battery Day when I actually was lucky enough to get to ask him, and then again on the most recent earnings call a couple weeks ago, that the goal is to produce about a quarter million Cybertrucks per year. Could organic demand eventually necessitate three times as many as that per year? Yeah, maybe. But that would be really, really far past Tesla's own projections. If you remember back to when the Model 3 was first unveiled and the reservations started pouring in, Tesla increased their production projections there because the demand had completely blown them away. Uh, so I suspect now if they're saying 250000 per year, then that's probably going to be a reasonably accurate number. But as I say on the podcast every now and again... Never bet against Elon Musk. It has cost Tesla short sellers billions of dollars over the years. So if there was a market for that many Cybertrucks a year and it did manage to overtake the F-150, well, I think that would be both surprising to me, but also not. Thank you so much for your call. Chris from Chicago is up next, responding to Chris from Orlando about turning off the safety score for racing events. Ryan, Chris from Chicago, responding to Chris from Orlando's response for my question the week before about turning off the driver safety score for racing events and how that inherently makes me a more high-risk driver because I do those events. A couple things I should have clarified. Going to these racing events, uh, you're required to take classes and you are with an instructor the entire time uh, while doing these events. So it's not to say I'm going out in a parking lot doing donuts and driving recklessly. It's safety is the number one prior priority at all these events. Also, almost any insurance carrier is not going to cover any damages incurred on a racing event. Racing events are outside the scope of normal insurance coverage. So 
for any event that I've done, I've also purchased supplemental uh, high-performance driver education insurance. Now, that insurance is specifically tailored for these type of events for a day or two, and it the price is reflected in that. I mean, it's more way more expensive um, than your normal premium, and this is probably a few hundred dollars a day for this type of insurance to cover your vehicle at the track. So, with that being said, being that Yes, I've done these safety courses and practice with an instructor and also I have supplemental insurance. I don't feel it's fair for my normal everyday driving insurance to be negatively affected when it's outside the scope of the coverage. So I hope that clarifies and still waiting for that safety disabled button for track days. Thanks for showing. Bye. Well said, Chris. You know, this actually came up at our last Patreon Zoom room. Those of you at the ludicrous tier of the Patreon or higher will get to hear that call on uh, that conversation, I should say, on March 1st. But you gave a great explanation here. I don't really need to add anything. I mean, you've laid out a great case for exactly why your day-to-day Tesla insurance should not be penalized for your racing events. I hope Tesla hears this and forwards it over to the insurance division of the company so that they can hear it and take it under consideration as well. Next up, Joey from Columbus, Ohio. Hello, Ryan. This is Joey from Columbus, Ohio. I just had two questions I wondered if you might have some insight into. First of all, why is it that autopilot doesn't include auto lane change on the highway? It just seems like a pretty... uh, useful tool um but when you have to keep disengaging engaging autopilot just to pass another vehicle i just wonder why that's not considered a standard feature uh, on the highway and the other thing is also on autopilot why does it wait until the very last minute to start start slowing down until you're right on traffic is there a way of switching that or or um, making it feel a little more natural where the regen braking kind of kicks in um, before it just like last minute jams on the brake. Uh, I was just driving to work and hit a patch of ice as it was slowing down and it just started sliding. So uh, just just curious about that. It's something that's always bugged me. Uh, thank you for all your work on the podcast and um, hope everyone is staying safe. Joey, thanks for calling in. Let me address your second question first, since I have good news for you. That very feature is rolling out to the wider fleet now. They added it in version 10.8 of the FSD beta branch back at Christmas time. And in my experience, in my experience, Tesla has done a great job implementing it. Uh, I've really noticed it when driving on autopilot and it's, it's been great. I shared your frustration about autopilot waiting until the last moment to brake pretty hard when it could have easily used regen braking to slow down gradually and, as you perfectly put it, slow down more naturally. With the new update that you should have, hopefully by the time you read this or otherwise very soon that's rolling out to the wide fleet, it will do that. And second about Tesla not including lane change capability with the basic autopilot that's included with the car, I share your feelings here as well. I mean, when Tesla first reconfigured the autopilot software packages, which I think was three years ago now, if I remember correctly, uh, and they made this change, 
I had talked about it on this podcast and I had said it, I said at the time, I thought it was kind of a safety issue. Like it doesn't have to do auto lane changes, you know, where it's, you don't, you don't have to put in a confirmation in that basic package, but it would seemingly make the autopilot safety feature, which is what autopilot is. It's a safety feature, a heck of a lot safer if you didn't have to disengage it and manually execute lane changes on the freeway. Sadly though, I mean, the fact that it's been three years or so now, it doesn't seem like Tesla is too keen on changing that. I feel like they probably would have done so already if they were considering it. So we went one for two with good news on your call. I hope that helps. Next up, Kent from Utah. This unfortunately, you know, I I try to have fun on this podcast, keep it enthusiastic. This is an extremely serious call, but there is a reason that I wanted to play it. So uh, let's hear from Kent in Utah. Hey, Ryan, my name is Kent C. Dodds in Utah, and a week ago I was driving my Model 3. Uh, I was going through a four-way stop, and somebody ran the stop sign going 80 miles an hour and struck me uh, across on the driver's side, and they flipped three times, and they were a big truck, um, and I spun around but, of course, did not flip, and uh, I did not die, <laughs> which uh, everybody on the scene said I should have either died or was a lot worse, uh, maybe paralyzed. Um, but, uh, I suffer a broken, uh, clavicle and some broken teeth and a bunch of bruises and that's not fun, but I survived and I can hardly believe it. I of course have already ordered a new model three. And what's interesting is if it weren't for the full self-driving, which was 6,000 when I, I purchased it, the, when I initially got in the car and now it's 12,000, if it weren't for that, then the car um, that I'm buying now is actually cheaper than the one that I bought uh, a couple of years ago, which just astounds me that even despite the um, supply chain issues, I'm still able to buy a better car that's cheaper. Uh, it just blows my mind, uh, the innovations that Tesla has. And of course, um, my life is... I still have it. I'm still alive, um, which I honestly don't think that I would have been if I had been driving anything else. Uh, I bought my family a Model Y several months ago for the safety reasons, and now I feel even better about that purchase uh, now. So, uh, yes, thank you to everybody over at Tesla. It literally saved my life, and I will. I it, I basically will never drive another car. Uh, just, uh, you can't put a price on safety. It's amazing. Anyway, thanks for all that you do, Ryan, and have a nice day. Well, my goodness, Kent. I was stunned, like actually stunned looking at the pictures that Kent sent me with this call. I wish you could all see these. I mean, if you want, you actually can. They're on Kent's Twitter, which is at Kent C. Dodds, D-O-D-D-S, I mean, I know that all modern cars, Teslas included, are designed to crumple because you want the car to absorb that kinetic force and not you. But Kent's Model 3, I'm not even joking. I'm not trying to make a joke or anything, but it looks like it got pummeled by an angry Superman. Like that's how mangled the car is. I mean, I'm not a medical professional, obviously, nor am I an emergency responder, but just as a bystander, it certainly looks like that that accident was something that that could have and perhaps even would have killed you in another car, Kent. So I am so glad that your Tesla kept you alive and feeling good enough to call me, of all people, 
less than two weeks after this happened, which seems to indicate that you're doing okay. Um, I mean, I, I don't want this response to sound too fanboyish because there are other safe cars out there. Teslas are not the only cars that are safe on the road, but they are objectively the safest. We have seen time and time again, there, there have been stories like this where in life or death situations, you would ideally want to be in a Tesla. And that is the ultimate bottom line. And that's a that's a big selling point of these cars and something that matters a lot to, you know, I talked at the top, yes, about my dog, who I care about, but, you know, it's my my family, my wife, my kid, like that's, I f- do feel good that driving them around in a Tesla, if something, you know, God forbid were to happen. So, uh, Kent, I hope you fully heal up soon. And hey, if you're ever in San Francisco, I'd love to meet up and say hello and, and I'll do my do the same if I find my way to Utah. And I hope you get your replacement Model 3 very soon. I've got one more call uh, I've got time for this week. It's from Pete in Dallas responding to Cody last week about data capability in the USB ports on new Teslas. It was about Sonic the Hedgehog. You may remember that call. So here's Pete, who uh, you may know as the person behind abstractocean.com. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Ryan. It's Pete from Dallas. I'm replying to Cody's question about the data capability on the center console ports, USB ports, the Model 3 and Y, the new ones. Um, He's right. The data capability has gone. It doesn't seem to coincide with the Ryzen switch, but knowing how Tesla manages their kind of parts bin, it may, it may just be this weird crossover phase that all of their models have gone through where you get these, you know, this handful of unicorn cars before they fully make the switch. But either way, um, the only port that supports data is the, the one in the glove box now. And obviously most people have their century stick plugged into that. So it's not ideal. Um, that's the bad news. The good news, and this is a bit of a plug for perhaps rotation, but um, the data cable is still there in the center console behind the, the USB ports. It's usually tied to the power cable that provides power to the USB ports. Um, and we are getting a module in by the end of the month, which will allow you to plug that data cable back in. Uh, we've had a couple of customers test it, test well. Um, it probably doesn't mean that Sonic and Cup Holder will ever get pushed to your car. Whether you can request that from Tesla, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but it does at least reinstate the data capability on those ports so you can upload music or plug in a gamepad or something like that. So if interested, just go to abstractocean.com slash USB. They'll take you to the product page and hopefully we'll have them in a few weeks. Hope this helps. Thanks, Ryan. Bye-bye. Pete, thank you for this. Uh, I'm going to allow that plug. You are, after all, I mean, in all seriousness, you are offering a direct solution to a problem for some of the newer Tesla owners out there. And we have since learned, by the way, that Tesla does indeed plan to enable Bluetooth controller support in the new cars. But uh, as you noted, that some of you, like uh, like Cody, may fall through the cracks on that. There are you know, a small window of cars that, that might end up uh, needing something, which is where you can come in. And so that's why I wanted to play this call of yours in case it's helpful to any other listeners, newer Tesla owners out there as well. So if you go to abstractocean.com, grab that product when it's available in a few weeks, or if anything else, by the way, don't forget that coupon code RTL podcast, all one word, RTL podcast for 15% discount 
on your first order at abstractocean.com. But yeah, Pete, good job on your part of staying on top of uh, what the community needs when you know Tesla does stuff like this, where again, not on purpose, but it just kind of works out where some cars kind of fall through the cracks and end up, you know, with a needing a solution to a to a problem that unfortunately probably shouldn't be there in the first place. But in any case, thank you for your call. Thanks to everybody who took the time to call in. I will get to more phone calls next week. I promise there was so much to talk about this week. So again, if you'd like to call in and be a part of the podcast, I welcome that. I gave you the call-in instructions earlier in this segment. But stick with me. I'm not quite done yet. I've got your pro tip of the week and a bit more coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. As for me and what's going on with my car, I never got the full self-driving beta version 10.10, which I have since learned has been the case for most of the, what, 60,000 beta testers. I now have not had an update since 10.8 on Christmas Eve, and then there was a hotfix 10.8.1 a short time after that. Uh, never got 10.9, and apparently, again, most of the beta testing fleet falls into this category. Tesla has now abruptly halted the rollouts of these last two beta versions, so I am curious when we're going to see that big stack merge in version 11. Uh, Elon had said it'd probably be this month. I wonder if that will still prove to be the case after these last two versions, again, have uh, have not fully rolled out. If we're going to get a 10.11, 10.12... We shall see. Regardless, though, I'm really looking forward to that version 11 and that stack merge because I have come to the point now, I actually prefer when I'm on the FSD stack. And the reason for that is because it's it solves, largely solves, I mean, it's not perfect, it's evolving, but it does a better job addressing something uh, that I've had an issue with, particularly with the vision-only highway autopilot, and that is assertiveness. And I've talked about how on the on the regular vision highway autopilot, you know, if I'm wanting to pass somebody, okay, I move over, you know, change lanes, so we're down at the lower speed because of the guy in front of me, I move over to the left, go to pass, and the car just takes way too long to get up to passing speed, to get up to the speed that I have it set at to the point where maybe someone else has come up from behind, and now I'm kind of being the bad guy, you know, because I got somebody behind me and I got to get, you know, get over, move over. So uh, the FSD stack does a really good job of being assertive. It gets up to speed much more quickly than the highway, uh, the, the regular highway production version does. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Also, I guess the one other thing that happened to me this week I got uh, an error code three times on one drive, a software error code popped up on the screen. Well, was, the code wasn't in the screen. It was in the, you know, down in the menu in the in the notifications, you know, the messages menu, but looked it up. Error code RCMA094 happened three times in one drive. I was driving my kid's carpool to school, so I had uh, all five seats occupied. Made a service appointment for it, posted about it on my Instagram, and several listeners told me that they've had the same thing. 
that it's evidently like a, a connection to a sensor like on the seat belt. And what was interesting is of the, well, I think it was four people that responded, which is kind of a lot for, you know, my Instagram's not that big. I don't have a ton of followers on there. So I'm, you know, I mean, I'm only getting so many responses, but of the, the four people said, oh, I've had this. And a couple of them said, oh, yep, mobile service came out, fixed it, no problem, easy fix. And a couple of the other couple folks who said they encountered it said the same thing, but they said it reoccurred after the fix and the Tesla ended up having to replace their whole seat. Now, the thing I think about with that is I've only got about five months of full warranty left. So if this is going to reoccur, I hope it reoccurs pretty quickly. My appointment isn't for another uh, about a week and a half from when I'm recording this. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the good car is perfectly drivable in the meantime, but I will keep you posted on that one. I don't know if anybody else has run into this as well. Time for your pro tip of the week. It comes from Jack in Brisbane, Australia. Hello, Ryan. It's Jack from Brisbane, Australia. Just bringing you a pro tip. If you've noticed your uh, repeater cameras are blinded by the indicator at nighttime, um, I've just discovered this because you've got the new blind spot camera function. There is a fix for this. You can either fork out for the newer model cameras that are released in 2021, which are around 470 bucks to get installed, or you can go the DIY route and remove the cameras, drill a couple of small holes and put in a bit of paint to block the light from leaking through from the LED to the camera. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart, but there's a great video by Tesla Gurus on YouTube. Just search for camera repeater glare, and I'm sure you'll find a good walkthrough and exactly where to drill. Uh, best of luck, everyone. Thank you, Jack. I do indeed suffer from this, and it is mildly annoying. I suppose my personal problem, though, is that I am both faint of heart and... I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on new repeater cameras. But yes, uh, I did take a look at the process to do it yourself. It does indeed require drilling into your camera housing, which I'm just, I'm so bad with like, I don't know how, how you describe it. Uh, just tool based, like around the house kind of projects like that, that I know I'd probably screw something up and completely ruin the camera or camera housing. So um, but for those of you who are better at that stuff, there you go. You can look it up and get the job done yourself. The caveat here, though, to make sure we're, we're, make, we're stating, this will almost certainly void your warranty on the repeaters specifically. In other words, if anything goes wrong with them at some point down the road, they probably aren't going to be covered. I can't say that with certainty, but odds are if you are drilling into them, uh, then, and something goes wrong later, Tesla's going to be like, uh, no, we're not covering this. But still good to pass this along for those of you that do want to give it a try. Thank you again, Jack. And if you have got a pro tip of the week, please send it my way. Send it in the same way that you send in the regular hotline phone calls. And I will happily play another pro tip at this point of the show next week. Before I get on out of here, let me mention some friends of the podcast. I already mentioned abstractocean.com. They got a ton of stuff. Don't miss them. Don't miss that coupon code I gave you earlier as well. Uh, don't forget the snap plate as well for S, 3, X, and Y. All the entire sexy lineup. 
Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. This is the front license plate bracket that you want to have on your car if indeed your local uh, authorities or state level or whatever require it. It's not going to be used, uh, it's not going to affix to your car with automotive tape the way that Tesla's is, the one that you get from Tesla. Get a snap plate. It is grill safe, paint safe, radiator safe, autopilot safe. In other words, it's not going to get in anything's way. It's a clean, minimalist design, and it will come off easily if you want it to, but when it's on, it's on securely. Maybe you want to take it off for car shows, for you know car washing, whatever you're doing, and put it back on if you're going to be at a parking meter, if you're going to be going through a toll bridge, toll road, something like that. So again, everyamp.com slash RTL. How about budget safe solar? If you are considering solar energy, solar power for your home or business, of course you're going to consider Tesla. But why not also reach out to budget safe solar as well? See what they have to say. They're a friend of the podcast and their deal is a simple one. They take the time to understand your specific situation. Kind of think of them as being like a real estate agent for your solar needs, as I've been saying these last few weeks. They will help you find the best option for you. And the fact that they are independent consultants means they've got a lot of solutions on tap to help anybody out. They operate in all 50 states as well as Puerto Rico. So odds are they're going to be able to help you out. Contact them as well if you're interested in joining the growing solar industry. So learn more about any of that and or reach out to them at budgetsafesolar.com and the referral code, should you proceed with a solar investment, the referral code is RTL. Immaculate Reflections. Jeff, the purveyor and master detailer at Immaculate Reflections, is, as I often say, a wonderful detailer and an even more wonderful person. He does great work. He's a great guy. Uh, I love Jeff. I've been so wonderful getting to be friends with him over these last several years. And uh, he's done a heck of a job on my car as well. If you're going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area with your car, you're going to want to stop by Immaculate Reflections. Treat it to some nice TLC with Immaculate Reflections. And there is a discount waiting for you if you do book in with Jeff. You can do that through his website, irdetailing.com. Just mention, hey, I'm a Ride the Lightning listener. May I please have that sweet Ride the Lightning discount? And Jeff will say, yes, you may. So maybe you want to do paint correction, get the paint job, the finish looking as good as it possibly can. Maybe you want to do paint protection film on the front of the car or all the car or maybe just kind of the hot spots. Uh, You can do that. Maybe you want to do ceramic coating because you don't want to wax the car for the next three to five years. I've got that and I love not having to worry about it. I just wash it. And that's it. It's got a a three to five year wax on it, courtesy of ceramic coating. So anyway, irdetailing.com is the website for Immaculate Reflections. Don't forget puretesla.com slash RTL. If you need a long-term dash cam slash sentry mode solution, get it at puretesla.com slash RTL. 49 bucks shipped free anywhere in the U.S., That's all it takes to get the 128 gigabyte version. It's a micro SD based solution. 
So it's gonna last long-term. Trust me, I'm a client. I've got one in my car. There's also a $69 option if you wanna jump up. That's a 256 gig. They've also got wireless game controllers as well, a little wireless game controller kit that will work whether you have Bluetooth enabled in your car or not. So check that out. Uh, Again, all that at puretesla.com slash RTL. And then don't forget Jada. They've got the USB hub. They've got the Jada tray. They've got the USB hub console, which is like the all-in-one deal for the newer, the 2021, 2022 threes and Ys. They've got the version four wireless charging pad for those of you like me with older Model 3s. I highly recommend that one. If you're getting any of it, please use my referral link. You go, just go here, getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. Go there and then put whatever you're gonna get in your cart and use the coupon code RTL for a nice discount there as well. Thanks to Jada for offering that discount, uh, continuing to offer that discount to the Ride the Lightning audience. Finally, my Patreon. That is the way that you can support the podcast if you so choose. And my hope is that sooner or later, I will have earned your support in your eyes because only you can decide Only you know how much you get out of this podcast. But if you enjoy it week in and week out, I'm hopeful that at some point you might say, you know what, Ryan? Yes, I'm going to get on your Patreon and I'm going to support you. The support tiers start at just five bucks a month. And in return, you will not only be supporting me, but you will get something out of it as well. You'll get early access to each week's episode as well. You go up to the ludicrous tier at 10 bucks. That'll get you early access and that monthly bonus episode as well. And then there are a few other tiers as well. Uh, if you want to take a look, you know about some of the higher ones because they get the shout outs here coming, out, coming up in a minute. But anyway, uh, if you might be so kind at some point to cruise on over to my Patreon page, you can find it at patreon.com slash Podcast. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can follow me on either Instagram or Twitter or both at the same handle, both places. I'm DMC underscore Ryan. And you can follow the podcast or subscribe to it, whatever each each podcast service calls it. But that's the totally free way to make sure that the podcast is being pushed to you automatically every time there's a new episode so that you don't have to remember to go look for it. And I'm on, again, pretty much all the big stuff. Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, Google Podcasts. I'm on Stitcher. I'm on TuneIn, which is uh, natively in your Tesla. I'm on Spotify, which is also natively available in your Tesla. And then you can find me on YouTube, just audio only there. There's no video. But if you did want to listen on YouTube, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube. You will very quickly find my channel. You can subscribe very easily that way. Uh, finally, my email address, should you want to get in touch that way, it's teslapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, before I go, let me just say thank you and hello to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers. I'll start with the Plaid crew. The newest Plaid backer is Peter. Peter, thank you so much for your very generous support. Alongside the rest of the Plaid crew, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, 
David Nondahl, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Rick Dean, not Elon Musk, and T. Kirk Lowry as well. And then on the Maximum Plaid crew, these are the uh, folks that not only get the shout-out, they get most of the stuff, including the invitation to that monthly Zoom hangout every month where we have a great conversation the newest Maximum Plaid backer is evspeedy.com. So thank you to those folks. And thanks to the rest of the Maximum Plaid crew as well. Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Zachary Howard, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, John Cody, Aaron, Sonar Tech 77, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, and Paul Casarino. Finally, the Roadster in Space tier backers, an extra thanks to all of you, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, and Howard Anthony Smith. And with that, a now uh, snoozing Daisy the Boxer, of course, at this point of the show, every single time. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This has been Ride the Lightning, episode 341. Another fun one. And uh, happy electric motoring, my friends. And I'll see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.